welcome to The Daily Dose, where we are currently walking through an overview of the entire Bible. Join us today as we learn the story of Scripture and see God's redemptive plan through Christ from cover to cover. Let's listen to Matt Reister, Director of Christian Crusaders and the Cedar Falls Bible Conference. Today we're going to be in John 20, verses 1 through 10, and we're going to read about the resurrection, the single most important event in Scripture, probably in the history of mankind, more important than the birth of Christ, more important than the death of Christ, because without the resurrection, those things don't matter. Chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So for Jewish people, the first day of the week was Sunday, the day after the Sabbath, and it's actually because of the resurrection of Jesus happening on a Sunday that Christians today worship on Sundays. Our Sabbath is Sunday, and it all goes back to the resurrection. Because the Sabbath started the evening of Friday and ended the evening of Saturday, Mary Magdalene, anybody else, couldn't do any of these things to take care of Jesus' body. And so she gets an early start while it's still dark on the first day that she's not restricted by ceremonial law from doing these sort of things. Verse 2, after seeing that the stone had been rolled away, she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Of course, we've referenced this before, but the other disciple is more than likely John, the one who's writing this gospel. John was likely the youngest of the disciples. And when Mary says, We do not know where they have laid him, that suggests that there must be some other women that were with Mary, who John doesn't mention in his gospel, but who are mentioned in Matthew and Mark and Luke. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. That is to say that John, the more youthful disciple, outran Peter, the older disciple. Verse 5, and stooping to look in, he, John, saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So the fact that the linen cloths that Jesus was wrapped in after his crucifixion and death, the fact that they were still there is significant. Some skeptics at the time, and even today, have speculated that Jesus' body was stolen by his disciples, or stolen by grave robbers, or stolen by his enemies, each with different motives for stealing Jesus' body. Of course, if that were the case, it's unlikely to imagine that these robbers would have taken the grave cloths off Jesus, or taken the time to neatly fold up the cloth that was covering his face set it over here away from the other cloths. Now, this isn't the only evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. There's much, much more that we've talked about in previous devotions and that we'll get to in future devotions, but it's significant that John notes that detail. The grave cloths were left behind, and many Bible scholars believe that Jesus himself, when he awoke from death, when he was raised back to life, unwrapped these grave cloths from his body, took the one that was covering his face and folded it up neatly before leaving the tomb. And as a further blow to the idea that Jesus' disciples stole his body, John includes the detail in verse 9 that the disciples didn't even realize yet from Scripture that Jesus had to rise. Now, John, of course, is writing this gospel sometime between 70 A.D. and 100 A.D. That's anywhere from 40 to 70 years after this happens. So obviously, by the time John writes this gospel, he has an understanding of how the Old Testament prophets pointed to not only the death of the Messiah, but also his resurrection. By this time, John 
John has compared notes with the other gospel writers. They've shared stories between themselves as the disciples, and they've put two and two together that it was necessary for Jesus to rise again. In fact, he said things before his death that indicated that, that they wouldn't at the time have understood or caught in the way that they caught it and understood it after the resurrection. So the disciples didn't steal the body for the purpose of propagating this false notion that Jesus rose. They didn't even know he needed to rise. And I got to wonder exactly what John means here in verse 8 when he says the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, that is himself, also went in and he saw and believed. Could it be that John, Jesus' youngest disciple, the gospel writer, could it be that John was the very first believer in the resurrection? It seems to indicate that all he needed was to see the empty tomb with the cloths lying there, and he believed. He believed that Jesus had come back to life, even though he didn't know that that's what needed to happen to fulfill Scripture. At any rate, when you let yourself imagine what this scene might have been like, it's just astonishing to consider. Now, let me say in no uncertain terms that not only is the resurrection the most important event in human history, it is absolutely essential for our faith to mean anything. We'll get to this in 1 Corinthians 15, but I want to read a section from Paul as he discusses the importance of the resurrection and what it means for our own resurrection. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, of all people, most to be pitied. So Paul not only believes in the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of those who put their faith in Christ, but he says it's essential. If it didn't happen, our faith is futile. If you sit back for a second and consider, as I have on many occasions, that the entire linchpin of my faith depends on a dead guy coming back to life, it can sound like a stretch. It sounds too fantastic to be true. It doesn't accord with most of our personal experiences with how the real world works. Everyone we know who died stays dead. But remember, friends, we're talking about the God of the universe, the one who spoke creation into being with a word, the one who parted the Red Sea, the one who destroyed Jericho with a shout, the one who walked on water and multiplied loaves and turned water into wine, the one who healed the lame, the one who raised his friend Lazarus. And if I can find the faith to believe that even one of those things happened, then the supernatural is in play. And I can tell you that I actually believe, based on quite a bit of questioning and research, that all those things happened, and I certainly believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My faith isn't futile. I'm not still in my sin. And I look forward to my own resurrection one day and that of those who trust Christ with me. I hope you're one of them. Come back for more next time. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. This is The Daily Dose, a podcast of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry. Please subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify Podcasts, or download the free Christian Crusaders app and share with a friend. Also, prayerfully consider supporting our ministry at christiancrusaders.org, where you can find our weekly 30-minute radio broadcast airing on stations around the world since 1936, and where you can listen to our Conversations podcast featuring inspiring interviews with interesting Christians. Special thanks to our Daily Dose sponsor, The Family Leader. God designed three social institutions, the family, the church, and government. 
At The Family Leader, they are bringing all three together, honoring God and blessing our neighbors. Learn how and join them at thefamilyleader.com. We also want to highlight another special ministry partner, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference. Check out conference videos and schedule of events online at cedarfallsbibleconference.com. Thank you for listening and may God richly bless you.